Hi, this is Power Nerd, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade contains graphic language. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Paradise Arcade with Kyle and Eric, promoting synthwave music and culture. Welcome to another episode of the Paradise Arcade. We have a very special guest. Yes. Dana Jean Phoenix joins us. Hello, Dana. Hi. How are you guys? Uh, great. great. Yeah, pretty great. <laughs> Drinking whiskey awesome. at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, hardcore. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but... <laughs> Sad sign. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, thank you for coming on. It's uh, a, a pleasure, and we feel kind of like uh, you know blessed to have you on. Because again, like you listen to the show, and it's amazing that you agreed to come on. So, thank you again. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, real quick for uh, those that are listening, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, please like, share, follow, all of those things. Do the same for Dana. Um, and you'll be able to catch this episode at some point in time on Not Right FM. Um, thank you very much. And we'll get going. So what is going on, Dana? Oh, you know, I'm just uh, working on a, a new album at the moment and uh, booking my next European tour. So lots of stuff going on. That is awesome. So you... Uh, <laughs> You're you're a busy person. You got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of traveling. Um, so, when can we expect new material from you? Uh, so the new album is uh, is very close to being finished, um, and it's going to be uh, coming out uh, this spring. So, looking at probably end of March, early April for the first single release, and uh, yeah, spring for that full album to drop which I'm very, very excited about. And uh, it's a collab album with another artist who I just really love and admire and respect. So I cannot wait for people to hear it. Do you want to mention who this other is? Or is it a secret? Is it a secret? A surprise for us to find out later on. Yeah. It's a a surprise for later on. But uh, stay tuned because uh, all will be revealed uh, very, very, very soon. It's awesome. It is coming up pretty quick. So I can be patient for that. Yeah. Yeah. Now... (laughs) We got to ask because this is how how it works. Are you going to be pressing this on vinyl, any kind of physical format? Uh, Yeah, we're looking at uh, doing uh, definitely some CDs for for sure. Uh, Vinyl is one of those things where if there's enough enthusiasm for it and enough people asking for it, then yeah, I would love to press vinyl. Yes, there is enthusiasm for it, I would say. (laughs) Is there a particular... um, influence or thing uh, that came to mind when making this new record? Is there like a theme that you have going on? Um, Definitely um, sort of more of a a darker, funky kind of tone. Uh, The artists that I've collaborated with on this album, we come from very similar backgrounds, I feel, and similar kind of musical tastes as well. Um, So yeah, definitely expect to hear a little bit more of uh, some funky stuff, some edgier stuff. Um, when I perform, I really love to put on super high energy shows. 
So I love to create material, uh, especially lately, that is going to be uh, something that's going to be a lot of fun to perform live. So, yeah. Okay, that's awesome. I'm definitely a fan of the funkier stuff. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This guy loves Chromio. I love Chromio. Oh, my goodness. I love them so much. And you guys are from Minneapolis, so you're like from the land of funk. It's, that's what they claim. Yes. 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 Well, we're told this, yes. Uh, when I grew up, it was all about Minneapolis, man, like Prince, The Time, uh, SOS oh Band, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. So, Oh, my God. Yeah, speaking our language. Right. Yes. <laughs> and is that, I mean, has that really left the, like, the lasting influence on, like, what you do now? I mean, what were... I mean, how did you arrive to where you're at now? Because obviously you've, you've been in other projects. Uh, those mm-hmm. have obviously done really well. So like what brought you to, <clears throat> to this particular, you know, genre? Um, well, at the time I was touring with a, a funk band in Canada called God Made Me Funky. And we were starting to kind of head into this more electro funk sort of direction, which I really loved. Um, and at the same time, I was um, going to theater school. And uh, because theater school became really, really busy, it was sort of outside of the downtown core of Toronto, where I'm from, I didn't have uh, time anymore access to make music with the musicians that I was working with. So uh, I went on SoundCloud and I found a bunch of synthwave producers and something just instantly clicked uh, with the sound. And uh, yeah, I started reaching out to a few producers and, you know, writing songs, recording vocals, and releasing those tracks. And then it just very quickly and organically snowballed. Um, And it was just kind of, there's a lot of great signs that this was kind of the the direction that I wanted to be heading into. And, and, you know, the community is just so uh, supportive and amazing, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah, I was going to mention that, you know, just your experience with the community at large versus, you know, the more funk different, you know, areas. And, and obviously if you're doing theater as well, it's kind of mm. a, what's been your experience between the two, three areas that you've been in. Um, well, they all help to inform one another, which, which I love. I really try to um, kind of bring my more theatrical background into my stage shows. So I love that they can sort of help one another out Um but uh, yeah, I mean, I, for me, the, the synthwave um, genre has just allowed me to really um, explore my voice as a singer and songwriter. And as an independent artist, it's really helped me to grow in that respect. Um, you know, releasing all of your own material, booking all of your own tours. That's something that I've had to kind of learn over the years. Um, and that's been really empowering for me. Because um, with theater, it's, you know, it's very much... Um, a kind of group collaboration and you're hired as an actor, but you're not really driving the ship in the case of Synthwave, You know, I'm very much, um, you know, the, the, the driver of the car, so to speak. So it's very, very cool in that respect that um, I've had to learn how to do a lot of things on my own and become a stronger artist and a stronger person because of that. The master of your own destiny at that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds a bit cheesy, but but it's true. It's it is true. And then to see those um, those kind of goals uh, or those dreams kind of come to fruition, like you know, going to Europe and playing over there, 
um, it's it's really cool to be able to say, you know, this is something that I've been building for a while, and I just feel so lucky that I get to play these amazing places with these incredible musicians and people. In your opinion, who who's the more hungry audience, Canada, Europe, United States, for Synthwave? Oh, boy, that's a great question. Um, Europe, there's definitely a very special kind of enthusiasm for Synthwave, I would say. And it kind of, um, there's a bit of a different vibe depending on the country that you're playing in. Um, but the U.S. as well, the people are pretty hardcore over there. Like when I played the um, Neon Fest in 2018 uh, in Rhode Island, like that was next level. People were showing up in costumes and it, that was incredible. Um, and then playing Turbo Drive in San Francisco, uh, people were just so enthusiastic there and yeah, I mean, it's sort of different, um, but I, I would say kind of Canada is catching up to that right now. But Europe and, and the U.S. are sort of uh, at the forefront of that fervor. You got Neon Fox and Andy Last, so. I mean. Yes, we have a, a, the, quite a nice little synth community here in Toronto. I feel very lucky to be a part of it. Um, so you're doing the European tour. Any plans coming to the States again? You do a festival or a mini tour? Because they're, you know, as you're saying, like the collaboration with artists, what I see that's absolutely amazing is all of the the people teaming up, the independent folks. And there seems to be a real collaboration and support for each other. Yeah. Um, so is there anything you want to hint at or you can talk about as far as plans for the states? Uh, working on it, nothing is confirmed at the moment, but yeah, definitely looking at uh, playing some dates, uh, probably like late summer, early fall. Ready for that. Yeah. It, it's amazing, <laughs> you know, here in the in the States, there's all of these um, like local synthwave communities that are, that are starting to come up and there's, it seems like there's more options now more than ever for people to come from wherever to play these because you're you're talking about some of the ones then there's synthwave pdx there's steel city new york does technically have a scene we've recently <laughs> learned Nightwave, uh, night wave but that's more of a dark wave <laughs> kind of a thing um and then obviously minneapolis we have our our little synthwave community our own thing yeah our own thing um and so that's really exciting the fact that you know um that there is that draw, there is that community and like, you know, where you've had to, you've learned all of those things on your own and have obviously had to work really hard to learn. It's definitely like trial by fire as far as mm -hmm. learning all that stuff. Um, but it's cool that, you know, these other communities are actively reaching out and, and bringing in people from other places. Yeah, yeah, really cool. And it's really... Um... Just, uh, I thank those promoters so much for, for doing that, putting in that time and that energy, um, because it really does make it all possible for us artists to travel to these cities and play these shows. So, yeah. Well, we may have to talk to you later about doing a Nitrowave <laughs> show then, because we definitely have some funk in Minneapolis, so... Yeah, I've never been to Minneapolis. I've flown over Minneapolis. That's a short and, uh, flight. Yeah. <laughs> Not much to look at, probably. Uh, yeah, I was like freaking out when I was flying over Minneapolis. Like, oh my God, I wish I could touch down right now. But uh, yeah, definitely plans to play Minneapolis in the future for sure. Well, we can make that happen. 
Yeah. Um, do it. So speaking of playing shows in different cities, so you do a lot of stuff in Europe. Is there any favorite country that you've played? Hmm. It's hard to pick favorites because uh, I love everywhere I go so much. Uh, but there are places that I tend to come back to. Um, so upcoming in May, I'm going to be playing Vienna for the third time with uh, with Power Nerd. And I cannot wait for that. I sort of have this trend now of starting off my tours in Vienna, um, which is just the best possible possible way to start off the tour because everyone there is so amazing and the shows are incredible the audiences are so energetic so it really always just sets off the european tours on this crazy high um, and obviously just love working with uh, power nerd so much and, and phil cash who's the the booker over there um, and london as well i've played london uh, several times with outland um, and uh, that's always just amazing. And I'll be returning to Darmstadt in Germany too. And Darmstadt's a really cool city. So it's like you're you're building like these little home away from home kind of places, these destinations where you kind of reconnect with people that you you know know, respect, admire, and then also the fan base that's obviously very hungry for you know what you do. Is it my am I wrong in this impression? that comparative to other genres of music, the, the fan base and, and the people in the scene are much more receptive, thankful, eager, interactive mm -hmm. than, say, in other types of communities? Yeah, I, I've been in a lot of different projects and bands, and there's something definitely very special about um, synthwave fans in general and, and everybody in the synthwave scene, whether it's bloggers, artists, graphic designers. Um, yeah, it's something very, very special about the energy in particular with synthwave. It really is. It's like everybody is friends automatically. And yeah, yeah. that's the crazy thing. You know, yeah, nobody's totally. too pretentious. And it's like everyone wants to work together to further the genre itself. Yeah, yeah. I. I just, um, I've always sort of dreamed of this being a part of this movement that was just totally supportive and everyone's kind of lifting each other up. And I feel like I found that in Synthwave. Everybody is just so mad cool and we're all rooting for each other. And um, that's that's the way for the, the genre just to keep building and growing, in my opinion, is if we all lift each other up. So speaking of, of genre, do you feel mm -hmm. confined by the synthwave label does it really affect how you make music or do you do you just do what you do and then it just happens to fit because i know like tokyo rose has said he's done making synthwave and that it seems to be mm -hmm. like this theme where like the earlier pioneers of synthwave have either never owned the label like they never called themselves that or they're now like, I'm not, I'm done. I'm doing this. I'm not doing this mm. anymore. So do you feel the same kind of restriction or do you feel like completely at home and you just do what you do? Yeah, I, I would say the latter, just um, do what feels right for you. And, you know, there are certain staples of the, of the synthwave scene, obviously synthesizers and the arpeggiated basses and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, there are certain kind of elements that make it uh, a synthwave, but I think 
everything needs to grow, everything needs to evolve over time. And uh, for me personally, I just love trying new things. And uh, but it all sort of stays within this umbrella of, of synthwave for sure. Yeah, because I would say like as much as some, like Alex's new album, that there's some pretty like it really does reach far out of the synthwave kind of genre. But like I know like mm-hmm. Perturbator. We're kind of going dark wave stuff. As much mm-hmm. as he's trying to distance himself, like there's still some very because he uses certain things like the Prophet Six. I would yeah. still put them under the umbrella of that, even if they didn't want it. I yeah. would still say, eh, there's yeah. still something there that comes yeah. towards that. I, I just try to figure out like what is there. Like I'm just trying to understand like their mindset. Like is there a frustration of being pigeonholed, or like do they think that there's like a like a creative like restriction because i've never thought that synthwave is a restrictive community Mm -hmm. it it ranges so far i would think the opposite the the furthest from restricted because there are so many different directions that you can go with it and the fan base is so much more respectful more engaged more enthusiastic to interact with what you're receptive more receptive that just i to me it's just interesting that people would try to distance themselves from like, I get, like, if you made one song and it had a synthesizer in it and they're mm-hmm. like, you're synthwave. Like, okay, maybe I can understand that. But, like, mm-hmm. if you built your entire career and everything in the community and came from it and then, like, yeah, no, I don't, I'm not this anymore. It's just kind of, it's just strange to me. Um, so, speaking mm-hmm, of that. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. No, finish your thought, please. Um, well, just, I, I think it's cool too, though, to have a little bit of that cross pollination. Like if you're an artist who sort of got their start in the synth wave scene, but you're heading more into this dark wave or metal direction and you can sort of appeal to that crowd as well. I mean, all the better. Right. And, um, each artist has to do what's, what's right for them, obviously. So if, uh, if a certain label, you know, makes them feel pigeonholed, then you got to do what you got to do. Um, but but I think you nailed it on the head that people, is particularly in this scene, are just really receptive to all different kinds of takes on synthwave. There's no really one you know set formula or equation for what synthwave is, um, and that's part of what I really love about this scene and why I in particular love collaborating with so many people because so many different producers have their own sort of sound and take on it. And that brings out something really special in my writing. I find when I collaborate with those different voices and takes on Synthwave. So, yeah. Do you, uh, so like, I, I, I feel like just having the conversation with you that you're an advocate for the scene. Have you tried to maybe convert other, other people that are maybe not initiated and bring them into the, to the synth side? come to the dark side yeah uh yeah well just i tell people to come to a a live show pretty much because if you come to a live show then you're you're instantly hooked there's there's always this sort of magic at a live synth wave show so that's really all you need to do tell them to come out and that's fair yeah and we have we have seen that in effect now that we've been doing our own thing here yeah yeah yeah. It is great to see people go, wow, I've never heard of this person before. Where has this person been all of my life? Mm-hmm. How am I just yeah. discovering them now? And that's kind of the interesting thing with one of the people that are that's in our, they're in a, a bad rat who's an electro-funk musician as well. He's been doing mm-hmm. it forever and hasn't really gained any traction 
up to this point, but now is like seeing really this like embrace of his music and and that kind of a thing. And so it's, uh, I, I just it, wh- it is exciting to see people be like, who is this person? I need to know more. I have yeah. to I have to learn all about this yeah. new artist. And you're yeah, like, oh, this cool. person's been around since like 2011, so they're not really <laughs> new. So is there a particular um, artist that, Synthwave artist that you listen to or artists that you like, or do you stay away from listening to like contemporary, like peer kind of things? I love it. I, um, yeah, I definitely have some, some favorites. Um, obviously, I'm a little biased here, but a power nerd. I'm on their most recent album, um, Far From Human. Yeah, we're, we're um, a little biased. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think that record is, well, all of their stuff is just, you know, absolutely incredible. Um, but I'm also a really big fan of a lot of the the female synthwave artists that are on the scene right now. They really inspire me. Uh, Mecha Mako, who I've been able to collaborate uh, with a bunch. Um, she is um, just such a smart, cool talented producer and vocalist and writer um nina um jesse fry you know there's all these female mm-hmm. artists that are really making their their mark on the scene i find that very inspiring i i agree with you on that one i think like as far as like you talk about a community of voices heard and like undiluted pure forms of expression from different groups of people i really feel like this is this is where you get it, you know, and you mentioned those Primo, obviously, mm-hmm. um, Parallels, yeah, yeah. like all, Parallels, you, know, yeah. you know, there's a really, I'd love to see the the different perspectives and the success in, in them. Because, it, it, you know, all these people, they're, they're producers, they're doing all their own stuff, they're writing their own songs, they're, you know, they're really great crafts people. And yeah. to, to see them, like Serena, like, bringing their vision to life, it being embraced, it being, um, you know, it like enthusiastically, uh, you know, embraced. It's, it, it's such a great thing. And I think that like, you know, we talk about this a lot with our own, you know, the Minneapolis uh, synthwave scene here. And we talk about like, how would, how do we drive engagement or how do we keep it going? And it's like that embrace, you know, embracing the different perspectives and different viewpoints mm-hmm. is so vital. Um, and, that's just one of the things but then you know like it could be just as silly and stupid as is anything else so um yeah that's amazing and especially the the female uh scene female producers really like where else do you find such a like strong core of of people expressing their particular art form maybe maybe rap but that like that's a hard that's a difficult thing because that's such a male-dominated thing where like synthwave is just kind of like it is what it is yeah and a lot of these artists are are touring and performing live like i've shared the bill with a lot of these female artists and or gotten to see them perform live and they're they're amazing performers as well um which is you know obviously very important in in growing a scene making sure that the live shows are are um, held to this you know kind of high standard and yeah a lot of a lot of artists are delivering on that I had a thought, and you maybe could share uh, your opinion on this, but it seems like maybe Grimes is like the proto female mm. independent. Like Kyle's giving me a look. <laughs> like I'm not saying anything she's doing now, but like 
you know, like she really did the art house thing in the beginning, yeah. her producing, making her own videos, producing her own music, doing all that stuff. And like okay. kind of set the the bar for what a female independent and obviously like you got Zola Jesus and there's other producers out there. But mm-hmm. I, I I see a connection between Grimes and what's happening for other folks now in the synthwave scene, like a path that's been laid that yeah. it's successful well, for anyone. For anyone. Really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That sort of do-it-yourself DIY, um, like we were talking about earlier in the in the uh, earlier today, master of your own ship. Mm-hmm. You know, just somebody who's unafraid to just sort of throw themselves in there and learn what they need to learn to put themselves forward. And yeah, it's really cool. That's, I love grinds. That's well, I mean, just doing everything yourself. That's really a, a big thing of the synthwave scene, too. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. doing their own thing. They're all putting the effort into it and making it what it is, which is probably another part of why it's so great and so inclusive and everything else. I love the fact that there's these little caveats to the scene and, and it, people are just their own distinct self, you know, and I don't really mm-hmm. feel that there's pressure that you've got to fit it. And maybe like I always I kind of joke that there is this impending doom of bro wave. <laughs> bro wave. Yeah. Yeah. Bro wave. It's it's basically like the commercialization of a particular scene because like it happens in any uh, community where there's a lot of enthusiasm, there's a lot of movement and yeah. something steps in and takes it and commercializes it, and then like, it, like, like did did Muse do something that kind of like a bro wave type thing? Well, I mean Muse, that's what the Muse does though. They 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 go in, they stomp on a scene, they steal kind of the the things, and then move on. You know, like it's seagulls that come in and make a lot of noise and shit all over everything, and then they leave. <laughs> but I don't think anyone like no one really is gonna like listen to Muse and be like, no, I'm into synthwave. Like they're like that's they're their own thing. They just they kind of stole some things from it and then moved on they were they've already moved on to other things so i'm not so worried about muse mm-hmm. Depeche well, Mode they, they have their own audience like yeah. you don't <laughs> i think they're that they're prime, uh, synthwave fans aren't following them i i suppose yeah i think that they're basically like trudging different things for creativity inspiration and just stealing it instead of like and and I, listen, like I'm what did shit- I start here? Just shitting all over Muse. <laughs> listen, I love early Muse. Like they've got some good stuff. Yeah, I just don't yeah. understand why they've got to trudge on a genre or a subgenre every new album. It's a little weird to me. But like we, you know, like there, as I say, like Bro Wave, like there is, there's gonna be like this commercial peak, and I and I I keep reading some things about like how pop artists are like taking certain elements of like 80s but they're not referring to synthwave community specifically they're saying oh this 80s inspired you know new album or whatever it is so but i think it's coming you know we've, and, and synthwave has its more pop oriented acts that are mm-hmm. waiting to like mm-hmm. break out you know midnight you know oh, like yeah that. and the, that whole 80s nostalgia is just you know so part of our popular culture now too it's stranger things and different uh, movies that not so many movies now are set mm-hmm. in the 80s and referencing 80s nostalgia and have sort of synthwave inspired soundtracks 
So um, it's it's kind of hard to contain that and, and and claim it as as your own, right? I mean, it's infiltrated our, our pop culture now. So you have like Jennifer Lopez and um, Will I Am. Absolutely. You know, they have a new music video out with synthwave aesthetics, right? Like you can't. Uh, there's you can't a claim there's all a Peloton row bike commercial that's synthwave or '80s inspired. A what commercial? A Peloton like, right. exercise bike is like magenta <laughs> neon lights, like totally. So, like working on the old jazzer size kind of type <laughs> vibe. Right. Yeah. Well, something similar. People I, love 80s, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's certainly going to a, a target demographic. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that a lot of people who are into synthwave are of a certain age. Around our age, possibly, <laughs> for Eric and I. So that's, you know, they're remembering something, an aesthetic from their childhood. They're just like, oh, this is a thing. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that is sort of a driving force in synthwave. I mean, I don't know how old you guys are, but what's really crazy to me is um, playing some of these bigger festivals. Like um, this past summer, Outland um, put on a a huge show in my hometown, Toronto, uh, Retroway Fest, and seven artists were on the bill. It was, and it was absolutely packed. We played this, you know, huge infamous club. Yeah, it was it was absolutely packed with people from all around the world, um, and the age demographic of the audience was was so diverse, like super young people, like you know nineteen twenty, and then people in their sixties as well, and and everything in between. So yeah, I think there's probably a, a target kind of demographic, but it's really cool in playing these shows, just seeing how diverse the audiences are. I would say. For what you maybe not a rebuttal, but maybe a, a it's as you're growing up, what you're exposed to because there are plenty of people in the scene that are mm-hmm. born in the '90s, and you're like, yeah. you have no business doing this. But they love things like because Perturbator, he's 25 right now, mm-hmm. a baby. He's a baby, but he's putting out some of the hottest dark wave jams. Uh, so I think it's really like what you grew up with. Did you grow up with you know, like Blade Runner and, and 80s movies and Alien, all that stuff. And, and does that have a mark on you maybe more than your actual age? Because as Dana's saying, there's like people in their 60s and people in their 60s were in their 30s in the oh, 80s. So it's well, yeah, that's cool. It, you know, I always think it's weird. Like I find out someone who didn't, you know, grow up in the 80s, me being a child of the 80s. It's yeah. like, here are all these things that I was, that I was exposed to. Here is all these things that influenced me. Here is all these things that I like. So it's like when I do see yeah. someone younger like that, either at a show or making the music or something, it's just, I, I think to myself, well, how are they interested in this? But I shouldn't think of that because it's also cool that they are into these things that I am into because, yes, they are cool things. So good for them for liking <laughs> this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we have we have so much access to all this stuff now, you know, Netflix and, and YouTube, and we pretty much have access to watch any film from any time we, we could dream of. So Absolutely. if people gravitate towards, you know, those more retro films, then cool. That's great. Is is that a thing, like movies from the 80s and stuff? Is that something that may influence your, your work? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I watched a lot of, uh, like, old school horror movies when I was growing up when I was yeah. really young. 
Um, and yeah, watching a lot of those like John Hughes films, throwbacks and stuff like that. And also just growing up in a very um, musical household. My parents always played a ton of different stuff growing up. So um, and 80s was always kind of a, a staple 80s pop. And, and um, as I got older, you know, more electronic music and stuff like that. So, yeah, I will definitely say that gem and the holograms certainly had a big influence on me that's true the misfits yes (laughs) the real misfits yes love gem yeah and so that's actually something i brought up in in other episodes is the 80s is the first uh, american culture that was broadcasted globally because of satellite and cable and that's the first time that like cultures across the world simultaneously experience the exact same things and because like synthwave is across the world like there's people yeah. in south america and asia and europe and and india and all these places south africa south africa all have australia like they all have like a synthwave scene which is so interesting to mm. me that yeah, yeah. A, a particular culture or time in the world that is you know specifically american culture influenced everyone at the same time and now it's being reflected back in a sort of a in each iteration depending on the culture i would like to say that i think it's so (laughs) shitty right now that we're all just thinking back about how like how cool our childhood was in the 80s and we're trying to recreate it maybe I you know I don't know about that. There you know like it, it's something interesting to me. This is like the anti Disney. I think synthwave is the anti Disney. Disney like I don't mean to shit on them, but their business is to capitalize on nostalgia, right? Like that's what they do. They create new nostalgia for kids, and then they recapture for adults, right? There's that's their business. This is like in the hands of the people nostalgia like this is whatever it is it means to whoever is producing it and the yeah. fans are really engaged in it and i don't know i know that the scene is a, is actually pretty small comparatively but mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be interested to see those numbers like what how big is the synthwave community in in reality mm-hmm. that, that is an interesting thing to talk about but <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know where I was going with that thought. I'm just thinking about it. It's like I've never I've never thought of a, a music scene or just an ideology that I feel like I fit more into than anything else either. Like once I discovered this, it was like, hey, this is it. This is the thing. Yeah. This is the one thing that really speaks to me. This is the one thing I want to be a part of. This is the one thing that I feel like I really, you know, really belong. I'm part of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people have such a similar experience to Synthwave, which is why it is so supportive everywhere you go. And it's like weird because I've talked about this before in previous shows. Like growing up, I was like, ooh, as a kid, you know, in the early 90s, like hip hop really just like that was my thing. And I was so into that. Mm -hmm. And then later on, as I got older, it was like, ooh, the metal scene. Like, this is great. This is something cool. It's like, yeah, there's aspects that I like both about these. But Synthwave was the first thing that I've really gotten into. It's just like everything in here. This is this is it. This is me. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, Dana, do do you think like, like for you, like, because, like, there's so much baggage with any other scene. Like, funk has a very clear heritage, right? Like, it 
it it has a through line it has a history um with where you're at now it, it seems like it's it, it's fresh and clean would you like so you you are adding to the narrative the history of this thing unfolding do you kind of see that or feel that way or Oh boy, that's kind of a heavy thing. Yeah, um, I, I could bring it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you're gonna obviously kind of bring forward those influences that that you loved growing up, and um, yeah, I mean, I'd be honored if I was considered a continuation of that storyline. Like, wow. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's just you don't really think about that when you're creating material. You just sort of write from your heart and write about what inspires you and um and just hope that people will resonate with that and that, clearly uh, they, they do it's not something that you're yeah. cognizant or conscious of when, when, when writing which is good don't be just do your thing <laughs> but it's an interesting <laughs> it's interesting that you are part of a thing that's unfolding uh you're not because synthwave isn't a as much as we talk about nostalgia Mm-hmm. as the influence but it's actually a very live active growing new thing that's happening yeah, and modern yeah and modern at the same yeah, time yeah. so you're part of a a, a lineage a, a tapestry whatever you want to use for that that's unfolding mm-hmm. right now and so mm-hmm. it's interesting you know and, and i've thought about this where it's like you don't if you were to play just strictly funk you would sort of have a baggage to carry where it's like, I'm this particular person from this particular background playing a style of music that comes from something else. But you are able to take those influences and those things, do something new with no baggage, mm-hmm. and be basically a part of the, the story as it's unfolding. Because like, the reason why I thought of it is I was watching Hip Hop Evolution. Yeah, yeah. And... And Kyle seen it, obviously. But, like, I really liked how that series unfolded where it re- it went through the history of hip-hop and how it really tied how each previous generation or previous thing influenced the other thing. Or just region mm-hmm. of where it region, came from. Region of where it came from. And kind right, of, like, right. as it unfolded across from the origins and then through time to the rest of the United States where it's, like, I feel like it's a very similar thing where, like, each person where they're at in the world globally now is reacting and doing their own thing as a reaction. It's a, it's a living, like changing thing in real time. Totally. I yeah, can, yeah. I can bring back a saying that I've said many times before <laughs> in the show and many times in my life, but with synthwave, it's really like, do what you want to do. Don't do what you don't want to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you have the freedom to do that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of this cool, um, uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, cool that you kind of compare it to hip-hop in a way. I, I sort of look at it as sort of almost like that that whole grunge movement in Seattle that was kind of bubbling. Um, it kind of feels a little bit like that, you know, all these um, uh, influences coming together to kind of create this, this new thing. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hear you, but so like, and that's an interesting, you bring up a very interesting thing because... Yes, I would add though, the the grunge thing is the perfect example of bro grunge. Like, it had all of these. Bro-grunge. Yeah, like basically what happens? You get your Nickelback and sorry, I know Ooh. I'm woo woo. I know, and I and I bring up a Canadian deal, and so I'm sorry, I apologize, Dana. 
but no, Nickelback has their heritage in post-grunge. So yeah, you've got yeah. Bush, right, which is the first post-grunge-ish band. And then Nickelback is the final evolution. And I'm not, listen, it, I know the, the butt of every joke that's ever. That's the ultimate, that's the final form. <laughs> that's the final. <laughs> but, like, that's the final the commercialization of, mm. of that scene. It, it doesn't, you, you have all of those really exciting bands and that really exciting scene. But it, it kind of died. There isn't an active scene there isn't so many it's not a global thing what global grunge act did you ever hear about i mean bush nickelback silver chair right, silver right, chair right. okay yeah, silver chair, yeah um yeah no that's a good point um i'm just saying it's like when the thing when when the record labels and the big money step in that's what happens it kills yeah. the excitement enthusiasm for for something that belongs to the people if you will yeah yeah and sort of the, on the other coin of that, um, I was playing a wedding recently because uh, I also do like corporate events as well. I play with bands a lot and uh, we were we were playing in like a peach orchard and we thought it would be really funny if we played um, that song Peaches by yes. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we were we were pretty brilliant with that one. Too. I agree. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Yes. <laughs> Looking back, it was maybe a little bit too much on the nose, but we had this discussion no, about, no. <laughs> about <laughs> We had the, my bandmates and I had this discussion about um, 90s music and how you were sort of getting a lot of these kind of weird things coming to the mainstream. Uh, a lot of these one hit wonder bands. Um, and there's some, yeah, pretty bizarre stuff. And at that point, you know, the, the record industry, they were making so much money um, that they could sort of afford to take a little bit of these risks and throw a shot in the dark and take a chance on a band that was kind of doing some weird stuff. And and so the 90s was kind of a, a really cool time um, to, to, to grow up as well because yeah. uh, there was sort of all this different kind of stuff coming out. Obviously, there was formulaic stuff, but yeah. I definitely agree with you on that one. It was definitely Wild West territory. So speaking of presidents <laughs> of the United States of America, like <laughs> towards the end of their popularity... They did have in works a collaboration with Sir Mix-a-Lot. That yes, went they nowhere. Unfortunately, oh, it didn't end up going me. anywhere. I wish. I like, did not know that. Wow. What thing? Like what magic could that have been? And is there yeah. like demos? It's like hearing about Tapeworm, whereas like the collaboration of Trent Reznor and Maynard James Keenan and mm. all these other like industrial metal people, like right. that is more exciting than that. <laughs> right? Yeah. And the thing that I find most amazing about I don't all right, we're we're just going right into presidents of the United States of America. Like, I've opened up a can of peaches here. Yes, exactly. So like the craziest thing that I found about found out about them later on down the line is yeah. uh what they did with their guitars. So they did what was called like a git bass and a bass tar. And basically they just had two strings on each guitar and all they played were power chords on them. And it was <laughs> two strings. That was it. Yeah. So it's like, Amazing. yeah. Thinking about that, it's like, okay, you know, that makes sense. Keeping it simple, keeping it easy, but it was still exciting. Mm hmm. And, you know, to bring it back to Synthwave, there's kind of a parallel there to Synthwave because 
we are all independent artists. We don't have to answer to a major label who's trying to dictate how we dress, how we sound, how we write. And so um, I think that is also part of the beauty of Synthwave. People are really able to find their unique voices and, and put that on display. And, and, and then people are able to really respond to that, you know. With, uh, within within the genre you are 1000% right because it's like yes do exactly do what you want to do you can do anything that you want you are yeah. not held back by any limits or anything yeah, and there's going to be a niche there that is ready for it if you do it well there will be a, a pocket of people ready to embrace it I love it now I get to fanboy <laughs> here is the point in the show where I get to say it what i want to say so you're a big deal <laughs> yeah i want to put that out there and oh. i feel like if if you are a synthwave artist if you have not done a collaboration with you like <laughs> you haven't gone anywhere yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah andy last i don't know if you you be on synth um he was saying about a year ago that i was like the most played artist on his show ever because of all the collaborations that i've done which is very nice. <laughs> like, you got to be cool to get you to help you out. Seriously. Oh, well, that's uh, that's so nice. Yeah, I just, uh, I love collaborating with people. I love it. And I love I love just making music. I'm, I'm thinking about music all the time. So, yeah. And like being a big fan of Power Nerd, mm. the stuff that you've done with them tends yeah. to be some of the stuff that I like more. And... Oh. I mean, just saying uh, EP Testosterosa Flame, which you collaborate mm, on, yes, is, yes. is one of my very favorite. One of my very favorite Synthwave tracks. Mm. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And on uh, my um, most recent album, Pixel Dust, um, Power Nerd, they produced um, two tracks on that, that album as well, Losing the Connection and Only for One Night. So I was really, really happy to continue to work with Power Nerd Patty for my album as well but yeah testosterosa what a great album and i'm so uh happy to work with them um and then actually that was the first collaboration that i had ever performed live i want to say in europe um because vienna was the first european show i had ever done and we joined forces on stage i have seen the video live. of that yeah that sounds live, yeah. amazing i have not seen yeah. the video and i need to see it obviously I'm just like I'm thinking like the power nerd setup and you like that just looks I think in my brain that looks amazing so yeah it's not That's like uh, bringing the energy to the live show yes hell yeah it's yeah yeah and uh, they definitely uh, you have to see them live because they put on an incredible live show they're they're just masters at what they do they're amazing musicians and they know how to put on a show from start to finish I just wish they would come here. You know, thinking yeah. about that, it's just like a lot of people, you either get, you either have people standing behind a table with a laptop doing something or the opposite end of the spectrum, like really putting on a live show. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, it's so much fun when you just throw yourself into a live performance. Like I want to be dripping with sweat by the end of a show um and yeah just leave my guts on the stage and have as many lights as possible so i just have like a ton of led lights and 
make it a make it a auditory and visual kind of experience. So I've uh, in the last year got into programming my own lights to my Damn. set. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was a huge learning curve, but so glad that I invested the time because it's so worth it. Um, I just wanted to like tell the listeners the amount of talent, time, and dedication it takes to do all of these things because each one of these things, like programming lights, it's mm-hmm. not easy. It is a pain in the ass to figure mm-hmm. that stuff out, especially if you like if you don't go to the school for some of these things. Like you're, it's trial by error, just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's yeah. impressive. And I just want to say, going off of that, when I played guitar, like, I had a hard time playing guitar, and, like, if you had a pedal, pressing <laughs> pressing the pedal down while you're playing, that's <laughs> yeah. a lot of work in itself right there. <laughs> right. But yeah. to be able to do anything else, all these other things, is like, that's really yeah. the complete package. Well, I used to, in touring with the different bands, I used to, you know, just show up with a microphone and, and, and sing, and that's all I had to worry about. But in the, the case of my project in Synthwave, uh, I'm, I'm doing everything, you know, myself. I'm setting up my own gear. I'm programming my own lights. I'm, you know, um, having to think about the merch table while I'm on stage. Um, and uh, it, uh, I kind of drew inspiration from, I saw an interview with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and saying working with Prince in those early days, you know, they showed up to rehearsal and they just sort of played their chords, played their parts. And Prince was like, okay, now I want you to do a spin and I want you to turn. I want you to jump up and down. I want you to sing these harmonies. I want you to do backups. You know, like Prince just started throwing all of these things at them. Like you can do more, you can do more, you can do more. You're capable of more than you think you are. And uh, that has been a huge realization for me that you are capable of doing uh, a lot more than you think. Um, and that's why I love just performing uh, with just myself on stage. It's very empowering to be able to to do all that myself. It sounds actually horrifying. As like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like it's it, it speaks to a level of like I'm not gonna say fearlessness, but a level of like ability to put yourself out there because not only like the whole thing is is hinged on you you've done all the stuff you've prepared for it you've wrote the music programmed the lights you've set up all the stuff and then to be so engaged with you know the the final show like that's that's a lot because all eyes are on you so like i just i'm just saying i admire the that like start to finish kind of presentation and thought and energy and then to bring it on stage live performance it's it's really a big thing and and i like i would say in general that there's a lot like synthwave really does bring a lot of very interesting visual aspects to live performances i love seeing synthwave live yeah if someone was like play a guitar okay <laughs> that takes all my focus <laughs> okay now lyrics okay now like actually move do something else Oof. sing yeah and dance. I couldn't do it. I, I can only focus on one thing at a time. I'm not coordinated enough to do barely one thing at a time. So, yeah, it just it takes practice. You know, in the early days of uh, performing live synthwave shows, um, I booked just a few kind of small, intimate gigs at a, at a vinyl shop in Toronto because um, I had been kind of rehearsing myself by myself in like a rehearsal studio. But then I realized like, that's not going to really cut it. I need to do this live in front of an audience. I need to kind of troubleshoot 
on the fly if there's any issues, right? You need to be able to have that experience. And so that's kind of how I started. And, and really quickly, when you have a live audience watching you, you got to figure that shit out fast. Um, and, and just really make sure that you're delivering. When it all boils down to it, you have to deliver a great show for people to remember and feel, you know, um, just get all their senses sort of overloaded. Kind of, um, it, it sounds a little bit like what stand-up comics go through a little bit when they're developing oh, new material. Yeah. Because like, yeah. Um, and I know like, this is controversial, Dave Chappelle, like he's talked about like how yeah. he develops material over time. And, and, yeah. and, and I find like, I love, I love stand-up comedy and I love Yeah, comedy. me too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and, and I find like the, the, the stuff that goes into it really interesting and like, cause like mm. what you see the final package is so like flawless and really funny and it seems just seamless and easy, but yep. the whole thing behind it is really complicated actually. And night, night could, after night, hours and hours of trying a joke, you know, with, you know, yes. this word inverted with that one. And yeah, we don't see all of the the grueling groundwork that goes into such a pretty package. The that, potentially that, disastrous stuff that I actually, which I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. And I like yeah. seeing like when, like, so when a comic comes to Minneapolis, I like seeing like their weekday shows because like yeah, they're yeah. developing material because like set Friday, Saturday is the finished set mm -hmm, during mm -hmm. the week. They're trying new material. And I, I really like that uh, particular uh part of comedy is just seeing you know what they're doing because like you know like i just find them more interesting and people to take chances because you know like to get to that point where you know it's gonna hit and it might be also more intimate absolutely. the weekday show yeah i went to yeah. a, a comedy uh show where the the comedian had a post session like like jam thing where he asked for feedback from the audience but he did it in this really like ridiculous funny way like i'm not into sports ball but he kind of like did it as like a <laughs> as like a as like a football post game thing oh, nice. which yeah. was really funny uh and so like i i just like the you know the the things that go into the comedy and it seems like a very thing like you're honing your craft and what reacts to crowds in real time which to me, sounds horrifying. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I almost went down this path. I, oh, fuck. Like, I went to a bunch of open mic nights. I went to a bunch yeah. of things. I did all this oh, and the yeah. other thing. Because I, I think I'm funny. <laughs> I, like, I feel like that's something that I could do. But, ooh, going into it and seeing some oh. people actually try and seeing some people that's fail bad. so hard. And it's, yeah. Ooh. When I was uh, when I was in jazz school, I gravitated towards all the the comedians. Uh, there was a comedy program as well, and I would go out every night and just check out stand up comedy. And my goodness, that is just one of the hardest jobs ever. So, kudos to you for for going out there, putting yourself out there, and trying it. It's I have so much respect for that. It's like I've seen some people just. It feels like they were murdered on stage. <laughs> they did so poorly. Ooh. Yeah. And. To keep doing it after that, yeah, yeah, that really takes something else. Ah, it's it's interesting to see the toll that it takes because I have a friend who's kind of successfully a comedian, and the the mental like all the stuff that goes, it's just it 
it's amazing the toll that it takes and the mental effort and all that stuff that goes into it. Um, mm-hmm. I can't, like, I emceed a show where I just had to introduce an act and sit, and I was just like, I was terrified. <laughs> yeah. 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 Here's this person. Here. Shit. Right. Uh, here, uh, and this is me, and this is, and, like, that alone was enough to, like, you know, like, oh, fuck. Yeah. There's, you know, 100, 200 people here, and I'm, like, fucking froze up. So, it, you know, again, like, for yourself, like, everything that you, that goes into your, the performance and, and you, and obviously you take all of that real time feedback and then you roll it into the, to the thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. Like, I just, I think that people just don't really understand or really appreciate the, the effort and kind of like being able to take feedback that could be really cruel. Ooh, I would rather mm-hmm. like play guitar terribly Mm-hmm. right now on stage for a bunch of people then try to do comedy now at this point <laughs> Kyle was very yeah. he was halfway tempted to do vilification tennis which is a a Minneapolis specific like type of comedy where basically you get on stage and you insult the other person yeah there's whoever. there's teams of two people and right. you trade back and forth like insults basically wow. Yeah, it's like a it's like a rap battle for stand up comedy. Yes, exactly. exactly And it's like I've like for quite a few years now, I have really enjoyed this thing and I've wanted to be a part of it. But like it is very hard to get into and you have to be very special to be allowed Mm -hmm. to even get into it. And it's Yeah, 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 it's I Thanks for bringing that up. I really should get back into it and try to go along with this dream of mine. Yeah. I'm here you to support should, you, buddy. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You're not going to die. And that's, uh, you just got to be fearless with uh, anybody has to be fearless when, when chasing after something that's, you know, difficult. The stuff that the people who organize this say could make me die. Yeah. <laughs> if I didn't you do well enough. Directly on stage, you would turn into cinders. It'd just be ash on the stage. Just, just <laughs> a cloud of dust, and that would be it. Yeah. And there, there's there's the, those people, too, I mean, uh, that just are just so naturally talented at it. Um, I met one of my heroes uh, a few years back, uh, Will Sasso. I don't know if you guys watched Mad TV. Oh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mad TV in its heyday murdered <laughs> Saturday Night Live. Oh, I know. Oh, my long. gosh. Yeah. Saturday Night Live was just like going downhill, and Mad TV was eating their food, man. Oh, Will Sasso, um, just like Kenny Rogers. <laughs> oh god kenny rogers chicken the randy newman stuff yeah we were performing a, a, a show together um in toronto and i got to meet him backstage and he was like one of my ultimate childhood heroes like i loved will sasso growing up Damn. so that was such yeah. a, a cool night for me um but he just he he came up and he um sang like a version of Elton John's Can You Feel the Love Tonight where he was <laughs> didn't know any of the words and was just sort of babble singing but it was so hilariously funny <laughs> and uh, he's just so so talented it was kind of an improvised thing he hadn't prepared it um, but um, 
yeah, that just speaks to people who are, are naturally just so talented, but also just years and years and years of honing their craft and to be able to go up there and just improvise something. It makes me spot. mad. He's definitely an 11. He is an 11 out of 10, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, and he's Canadian, so yeah, Canadians love him. Points, check that off. <laughs> Boom. <clears throat> it's, I don't know. Do you, have it, do you have anything else, Eric? I really, um, is there any, so as far as coming up, you've got the new a new album coming out spring. Mm-hmm. exciting people need to check that out obviously yeah. um is it like is it because like you don't have a firm date because it's like you're not quite finished with it yet or because like it's in mastering or what's the situation yeah it's just um it's close to being finished and so we're just kind of ironing out all of the fine details um at the moment um but you know um it will be revealed very 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 soon I'm very excited about this reveal. Yeah, I'm. I think you're really going to dig the album, given uh, your, you know, um, your taste in synthwave, and, and <laughs> yeah, I think you're really going to dig the tone of it. And tell us more about your upcoming dates for your European tour. Yeah, so I'll be playing um, Vienna on May 28th. I'll be playing Darmstadt as well um, on May 30th in Germany. And I'll be hitting up London on June 6th. Uh, it's going to be a massive show with um, Highway Superstar, um, Lavenue, Duet, New Arcades. Uh, it's just going to be super, super mega. So, yeah, um, definitely stay tuned to my Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter, my website, www.danajphoenix.com for you know ticket information and any other uh, additional tour dates. Um, yeah. I guess I do have a follow-up question for that, for you touring in other countries. How scary is it? How difficult is it? How much of a problem is it transporting your gear to all these locations? Uh, yeah, it's definitely very scary. Um, twice now, coming into Vienna, I've uh, had my guitar misplaced or lost. <laughs> so I basically decided that I either just need to ship a second guitar to Vienna um, or yeah, just have one on the ready. Um, I will say though, again, this speaks to just the amazing people in the scene. Um, twice now, when I realized that the airline misplaced my keytar uh, coming into Vienna, um, you know, Power Nerd and, and Phil Cash, they were just on it right away, making phone calls, trying to see if they could find me a backup keytar. Um, yeah, so I've had only two instances so far of, of having a keytar lost. This crazy story too. Um, like five minutes before sound check, the airport calls me and says that they found you know my keytar for the second time. Oh, thanks. Delivered it to the venue five minutes before sound check. So, yeah, by that time I had gone to a local music store in Vienna and bought myself a new keytar because I needed one for the rest of the tour and I wasn't sure if I was even going to get my my original keytar back. And, uh, and yeah, I kind of had to frantically reprogram my Ableton, you know, to the old keytar when I got it back in my arms, my baby back in my arms. Do you have like a particular, like, like, uh, brand or thing that you're really like loyal to? Like, is there something that's really treated you well as far as equipment goes? 
Mm, yeah, uh, well, I, yeah, my keytar Lisa's Vortex, I gotta say it's such a wicked instrument, or MIDI controller, I should say. Um, it's very, very intuitive, uh, so I just love that. And uh, I really like Roland as well. I have a JDXI that it's kind of my go-to for creating beats, and I take that on tour with me as well. Um, so, yeah, and I like a lot of Korg stuff, like in terms of plugins, a lot of Korg. Um, Should we get really, sure, really yeah. nerdy? Talk We're about, going down that path. Can we can we go into your DAW? We'll talk about your workflow. Yeah, I work in uh, Logic. And um, for when I do my, my production, I typically use like Arturia, Korg, plugins. Um, yeah, tal, you know, X plugin as well. Uh, yeah, I try to keep it as minimalist as possible because I just feel like I could spend hours just downloading plugins all day and, yeah. and buying and, you know, playing around with that. Um, so at the end of the day, you do have to kind of have your go-to favorites and try to work within those parameters. But um, yeah. Do you, so like, do you feel like, do you ever feel like, okay, I'm done with this particular setup, this sound, I need to go into a different thing and explore what that can be? Or do you feel like you've, or have you done that and kind of like, I, you know what you can do in a particular like pre sets or, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tweak things. You can play things in different ways. You can come up with different arpeggiated patterns. So really you have, even if you have one or two plugins, you can create so much different stuff just with that. I mean, take, you know, any synthwave producer, a lot of them use a lot of the same plugins as well. And you get these unique tracks and voices coming through that. So, yeah. So do you feel like, do you start out with like a, like a kind of like a, a baseline, like here are my, my tones, my sounds, my plugins, mm -hmm. and then yeah. you alter them, if you will? Yeah, yeah, play around with them, tweak them. For me, I always love just coming up with a good um, drum pattern. And yeah, like a bass line is usually really, really important for me. Those two aspects kind of drive the song and then fill in the blanks with the chords. And then, yeah, after that, sort of just um, my jazz background and improv comedy background just helped me to kind of improvise different melodies vocally over something. and kind of the last thing to come are the words depending on how the track is making you feel or what's inspiring me at any given moment so yeah. and when you're making something do you is it like an initial like kernel of like inspiration and then you kind of like build on top of it or do you have like a preconceived like this is what i'm going to do this is what i'm trying to say we're getting deep getting real deep <laughs> i i feel it's like people need to know this it really depends. Um, like sometimes I'll be on transit in Toronto and an idea will come to me and I'll sort of beatbox it out in my voice memos or kind of lay down an idea like on my GarageBand app <laughs> on my phone. Um, and then, yeah, kind of go back to try to flesh it out a little bit more. Um, yeah, it really, it really does depend. And then sometimes I'll just kind of be messing about, you know, with my, my JDXI and I'll come up with a chord progression that I really like. And yeah, it all, it all sort of depends. I just, I find this interesting as a mediocre electronic artist. I find people's, uh, you know, process and how they think about music very interesting, honestly. You know, like for myself personally, like I'll have a beat or a rhythm and everything springs from that. And mm -hmm. then there's yeah. like a certain kind of like tone or like, 
it's it's never like like actually a completed like musical thing. It's usually more like an instinct, uh, more than anything else. And then I build off of that. So yeah, I just yeah. I'm curious like how other people like spring a song and what the what the process is. It's yeah, well, I I definitely understand what you mean. Like going back to when I play guitar and like I didn't ever do any music courses when I was a kid or anything mm-hmm. like that. Didn't take any music theory, anything like that. I found it really frustrating. It was that, like I knew exactly what I wanted to do in my head, but I had no idea how to actually put that into you know, the real life. Well, oh, sure. it was tough. Yeah. That's why I don't do it anymore. <laughs> See, I come from a percussion background, so it's really easy for me to just, but like everything else oh, is cool. really hard. Yeah. <laughs> like courses, chords and all like, mm, yeah, well, we'll, I'll talk yeah. to somebody else about that and they'll help me out. Yeah. It definitely helps if you're, if you're a musician uh, and have that sort of theory and that background, but there are a ton of synthwave producers in the scene that don't have that background, and they're able to come out with absolutely a lot. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, this is very yeah. impressive. Mm-hmm. It, respect to that too. I, I actually have, you know, like as much as I respect a classically trained musician who comes from that that discipline, mm-hmm. someone that could just like eke it out with no training at all and, and turn out some amazing stuff, like wow, that's it's and, really impressive. It's liberating because they don't have any preconceived notions on how things should be. Whereas if you're kind of trained in more classical um, styles of music, you sort of have this idea of what is, what should be and what should be. So sometimes not having that background can be super valuable. That's a very good point. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I come from a percussive jazz background, which is... I don't know if it's good or bad. It just is a thing. I mean, it could just be anything, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. I remember playing xylophone in a high school band. (laughs) I know. Settle down. Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty cool. I played trumpet in high school band. I was actually pretty good at it. I should buy a trumpet again and lay down some sweet trumpet Please do it. (laughs) Add some trumpet to your stuff. Our last interview was with uh, L.A.R. and he was a trumpet player too. (laughs) Please add some trumpet. I'm just waiting. Yeah, please be the first to the goal to get the trumpet (laughs) into Synthwave. Fuck the saxophone. <laughs> Trumpet is the new thing for synthwave. Yes. I actually, I also have an accordion. I don't think I've ever oh, heard any accordion. Holy shit. shit. So I could be the, the pioneer real of that. Thing. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel it. like that is an instrument that really takes a lot to play. Oh, yeah. There's so much going on. Heavy. It's so heavy to hold one of those things. Like, I have a mini one and it's like so dense. There's different sizes? What? (laughs) (laughs) There are different sizes. I don't know too much about um, that instrument, but I I have one, a small one. It just seems like the puzzle box from Hellraiser to me. Like, you're trying to, like, figure out all of the the right combination of things. Yeah. (laughs) That's truly the instrument. You don't, you know, like a traditional piano, you can see where your hands are going. You can see the keys but uh in the case of a guitar or um an accordion you don't you can't really see what your hands are doing so it takes a real kind of special skill to do that seriously well, it is impressive if there were ever an instrument to summon a demon <laughs> the accordion might be 
<laughs> totally. Yeah, I think there. I think there's an unexplored avenue here that needs to happen, and yeah. I fully, I fully embrace it. Let's let's do it. Accordion wave. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> you don't shut your face. Okay. <laughs> Anything is possible. Do what you want. Don't do what you. Yes. Want. Do what you want. Oh to my do. god. Don't do it. I've heard that phrase for like ten years. Yeah. Uh, please adapt it. There's mall music wave. Like there's a, a genre of, of synth wave that takes Muzak and does like Muzak synth wave. Yeah, that's. I mean, that cool. sounds like the vapor wave in a hole. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if there's an audience for it, more power to them. Why not? Go for it. Go down yeah. that rabbit hole. That's what I mean. That's the beauty of of you know the scene. So you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. All right. We really appreciate you coming on, Dana. Uh, it's been Thank a great you interview. For um, yeah. Again, very yeah. blessed to have you on the show. You're a very important person in the scene, and we oh, appreciate it greatly. Sweet. Absolutely. Well, you guys are very sweet, and uh, I had a blast being on the show. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Well, until next time, this is Eric. This is Kyle.